these companies have jobs available. I know you might not hear that from the news, but companies are expanding. They, even with COVID, they are looking for great talent. Welcome to Graduate Compass, the podcast for graduates who haven't quite figured out what their next step is going to be. James Curran, I'm going to address the elephant in the room here because usually you are the one sitting asking the questions, being the host of the fantastic uh, the Graduate Job podcast. And now you're the one uh, getting the questions asked of you. Is it a strange feeling? Uh, the the pressure feels off on one on one hand and feels on on the other hand. Uh, so I don't have a big pad of uh, questions to ask in front of me like I normally do. But it's uh, suddenly the pressure's on to give some coherent answers. So uh, I think it's more daunting than normal. The uh, for anyone who hasn't listened to you, they absolutely should. The Graduate Job Podcast. I'll be linked to it at the at the uh, in the description of this episode. But before that, I suppose let's do the usual top and tail. Can you tell us what you originally went to study? Uh, a college or university and what you're doing now sure so uh, i was a big uh, big fan of coloring in uh, during my younger days so geography was a natural home for my talents so i went to uh, bristol university and did a uh, an undergraduate master's in geography so it's slightly different it's if it was a four-year course um and as opposed to a three-year course and the main reason i i chose a four-year course was just everybody said oh uni's uni's so so much fun so i thought oh well might as well my four, four years there as opposed to three so uh that was why i did the did the masters there and what are you doing now so currently focusing on um coaching uh, graduates really so helping uh, graduates uh, find their ideal job so got um uh, a course called uh, how to get a graduate job.com uh, which launched in the summer and it's helping yeah helping uh, recent graduates and final year students just to find that that dream graduate job so people going through the course and also we've got running private members webinars and we've got a private facebook group where people are sharing all the questions they're getting and uh, all the all the insights that they're finding through going through the process and yeah the good news was the first uh, the first member got an offer for one of the big four last week so yeah people are getting people are doing really well Congratulations. And for anyone who doesn't know, what is one of the big four? Oh, sorry, the big four accounting companies. So uh, PwC, EY, and um, uh, Accenture and Deloitte. I have to admit, when you said you, you were you were um, a big fan of colouring in, I was not expecting you to say geography. I was expecting an arts degree or something to, to come out of that. But where did your head go as you were leaving uh, university with that master's degree under, under, um, under your belt? Where did you think, I'm going to go next? That's a good, good question. And the reasons I did geography was I, I really enjoyed it as a as a subject at, uh, for A levels and was 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 good at it. And um, as a subject, it was really nice and broad. You um, you did a lot of different things, um, and I sort of came out of uni with the same mindset that I I wanted to. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, but I knew I wanted something broad that would give me a bit of um, a bit of chance to try different things. Um, so what I knew I didn't want to do straight after university was actually get a job. So uh, so what I did conversely was look to go uh, get a bit more experience and um, and also combine it with travelling. So I, I took a year out before university and spent six months, um, eight months in the UK working, then six months um, 
traveling around uh, Australia and Southeast Asia. Um, so I knew I wanted to do some more traveling. So after university, I uh, spent a year in China teaching English um, at a, a university about two hours west of uh, Shanghai. So I knew I wanted to put off getting a proper job in inverted commas as long as possible. So teaching in China was a really nice mix between something fun, um, something that was going to look good in my CV and also gave me that chance to do a bit more traveling. And were you, uh, was there any part of you that was interested in following the teaching route either as you were going over to China or maybe when you're coming back? No, it was definitely a means to an end of um, you know, getting abroad, having some fun, meeting some amazing people. Um, and it wasn't too onerous so uh, I was one of my terms I had 16 hours of teaching a week um, so you weren't you know it was it was it was nice it was I managed to do it so that was spread out over three days so I had uh, a nice long weekend um, so that was really cool we were in a really small Chinese city by Chinese standards it had about a million people um, and there was a, quite a small um, expat foreign teacher community so everyone every weekend someone's having a party we're mixing with people from lots of people from the uk australia canada america and sort of different places so it was it was it was a really fun place to be as a as a as a young person um it was a good time i have to say as someone who taught in, in korea i'm i'm really jealous because i had about 30 hours teaching a week and here someone had 16 made me want to cry because 30 hours might sound like a lot and it was it was way too much and i wasn't able to do it i, I got through it but to do 16 would have been the dream i am so jealous it was, uh, uh, it, was it was good and it was just um conversational english we were we were teaching so it was um yeah just trying to get the trying to get the students speaking so the lesson planning was sort of done pretty much walking into the into the school building on the way there so it was um it was it was quite relaxed so you, you finish your year in in china you're you're on the plane heading home where is your head at in terms of trying to understand where your career is going or was the kind of career thought even on your mind at this stage yeah so heading back in i knew um so i've been really interested in travel um growing up and as i mentioned done some traveling myself and Initially, I wanted to try and get into the travel industry, um, but the back of my mind was always looking for a graduate scheme in inverted commas, something where I would I'd try and get that variety that I was looking for. So I got back and um, luckily straight away there was a based in Leeds, there was a, a low cost airline um, had launched a couple of years before called Jet2.com, and I they were looking for revenue analysts, so people who were in charge of setting the fares for the um, for the um, for all the different flights and routes that they had, and I was a bit of a as I said I was I was interested in um, in travel and specifically low cost airlines were you know just really coming on the scene then and I recently read a book on one um, I read a book on on low cost airlines and so I was sort of well placed to uh, to apply for this and uh, actually there was another. Um, opening with EasyJet so at the time I was applying for both EasyJet and Jet2 and um, actually got offered both of the jobs um, Leeds with Jet2 which was my hometown and then EasyJet down in Luton uh, I can remember going down to look around Luton and it was no offence to anyone from Luton but it was pretty grim um, although EasyJet was a bigger company and probably had more or more options with that but 
the um the, the smaller hometown company um came out trump so i um i started with them sort of only about a month after i got back from uh, china actually and was was that like a how do i put it a, a, a temporary thing or was it was there any kind of long-term vision of what you wanted to do and where you wanted to go with it so in in my mind it was it was open to it being long term but it was still it it was a temporary temporary work whilst i was getting experience and looking at these other bigger companies i mean jet two were a brilliant company to work for the people i met were i'm still friends with them now um great place to work um at the time it was based in a small literally port cabin up in at leeds bradford airport you were top of this hill the, you know the flight crew were based in there so they're just coming in in and out i mean i can remember sitting there in winter with like your jacket on because it was absolutely freezing um the ceo was sat in the corner um it was a really fast growing small company so you you had the you know if you came up with an idea you could really run with it so on the one hand it was amazing it was an amazing experience um you had a lot of responsibility you could really get involved in different things and as i said the people were great but the lots of the positives in working with smaller companies but the the flip side is as i mentioned i was looking for a broader um more variety in the, in the type of work i was doing because you know come out of university not got a lot of work experience you know how do you know what you want to do how do you know what you're going to be good at how do you know what you're going to like and i really enjoyed this particular aspect of the role so setting all the different fairs but you were doing the same thing every day and you know you were doing some of the people I work with are probably, you know, still doing sort of similar roles, maybe more managerial, but similar roles. So there wasn't that scope, that structured scope in place for moving and trying different things. Um, so whilst I was working there, I was applying for the bigger graduate schemes and I'd sort of focused down on management consulting because um, some friends from university, had, um, whilst I've been in China teaching, they've been applying and um, they got some roles in consulting. And consulting really appealed just for the reasons I've mentioned of that, that variety. So you, because I didn't, as I said, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And what really appealed with consulting and particularly the company I ended up working for was it was a two-year graduate scheme and you rotated around different parts of the business. So you'd have a project for three months in one area, then you'd go to a completely different area and have a project there. So, so that really, really appealed, um, that variety side of it. So I was, whilst I was working at Jet2, they didn't know, but I was applying for um, graduate schemes down in London um, for companies where they just had bigger training budgets. You know, it was really structured learning and development. Um, and the work just had a bit more variety. It's interesting because you, you've used the term variety so many, well, a few times. Say so many times, so that's not quite true. You've used it, it I think it was three, three times there. I can say there were three in that stereotypical, not able to pronounce it Irish way. And I'm just, just wondering, like, at the time, was there... I mean, now looking back, I'm sure you can look, you can even say, I love this part of the job, I hate this part of the job, etc., etc., etc. How did you know that going for the graduate scheme was going to give you the variety that you wanted because there's various different types of variety that's a good question and so i guess variety was was one part of it but i was also looking for a company who were going to invest in me um and with learning and development and you know at jet2 that was available but it, you you had to you know identify yourself you had to maybe sort it out yourself and you know you go on a training and you was you with a load of random people um whilst 
the graduate schemes I was looking for, it was that learning and development side is very um, built into the, the graduate schemes. So where there were two year graduate schemes, you knew maybe the first three weeks you were doing nothing but training. And then each year you maybe had 10 days just de uh, devoted to different aspects of training. So I was that was another big thing that I was I was looking for. So as well as a variety, um, which I didn't know what exactly I was looking for, but I was sort of looking for doing something else. So to see, as I mentioned, to see what's out there to, I mean, how do you know what you like unless you've, unless you've tried it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it sounds like a case of like, I just, you just didn't want to be where you were at that moment. It was, it was just trying to find somewhere else. And I get that because it's it, that that's the one appeal and you'll know much more graduate, about graduate schemes than I do. And, but it seems to be that, that broad appeal for graduate schemes to have a structure that people really struggle, not everyone, but a lot of people struggle with after university or college is that they, they just want that kind of structure. That makes whole sense. So I can just do as well one thing that, you know, being honest, there was probably, uh, like a snobbish aspect to it as well that I, I wanted, I, I wanted like, a prestigious name on my CV um, as uh, a a bigger name, you know, something that would be more recognisable in sort of the, the market, um, you know, further down the line and something that would, I thought at the time, would help my career going forward, having that bigger, bigger name, like bigger graduate scheme on my CV. And I think that that definitely played a part as well. That's interesting. Yeah, that, um, and which I think a lot of people will be able to relate to just to kind of have that kind of um the, the bigger brand name i suppose and did you find that the graduate scheme li li lived up to even all your expectations of what it would be yeah it, it did actually um it was a really really fun place to work so the company had an office um right in the center of soho um so we were based in central london not that that's where the office was not that i was actually based there much but um so every every friday it'd be work drinks in the center of soho there's a pub underneath the office you you wouldn't even check if anyone was going to be there you just turn up and there'd just be loads of people so i i joined on a scheme with uh there was two intakes a year um so in my intake there was 17 people so you you as i mentioned there was a three-week uh, period at the beginning when you joined which was just training so you did two weeks training in the UK then you went to Paris and because uh, it was a French company you had a week's training in Paris so you you got to know these people really well I'm, I'm still really good friends with them um, so you you built those strong bonds especially from people that you that you end up working with um, and then there was you got to know the other intakes below um, above you and then when you know after six months another intake comes and you get to know them so you you build really strong friendships with people um and it was a really fun place to work but also the work was I, I certainly got that variety working in the public sector working in the private sector working on on projects so you might be six my initial project i was working on so strapped to training i was sent to leicester and i was then in leicester for four months working for a FTSE 100 um um provider of um, oil and gas uh, who had a transformation project to do with some electronic system I'd never used before so you find yourself just like dumped in the deep end and you're trying to just get to grips with what's going on and this was back in 2007 during the financial just after the first financial crash happened and I can remember I'd only been there a month and the boss I was reporting to she got fired um, or laid off and 
her boss just said, oh, well, okay, you can you can step up and just pick up all her work. So I didn't been there a month, and suddenly I was doing the work for someone sort of two grades above me. So you were th- really thrown in at the deep end. Um, and it was, it was in, well, you were working away from home, Monday to Friday, you'd, you'd leave on a Monday morning, get the train back on sort of Friday. So you're living out of hotels, you're on expenses, you know, it, it was fun. Um, after being a tight northerner, suddenly I had £30 a night to spend on food. And it was like, wow, this is, this is an unbelievable amount of money to spend on food. So I'd go to the Chinese restaurant and just order you know, £29, 95 pence worth of as much food as you get for £30. So it was, yeah, it was, it was really good fun. And um, lots of, lots of variety over the course of the two years on the scheme. And as I mentioned, you're working away, you're on projects, you're working with with people it's you know it's, it's good fun one of the things i identify when i'm working with kind of students or graduates and I'm, I'm, i'd be very interested to know if you've had, if you had the same thing is that they they often feel like they need to have to, to know exactly where they're going when they're you know they want to know i'm going to do this and then they're going to do this and they want to know that their career has that linear progression did you find when you were in the middle of that graduate scheme that you at the time had a clear view of where you either were going or thought you were going that was uh, one of the, the, the good things about the scheme is that it was it was two years in length so after the two years you either got promoted or they let you go and you know 99 percent of people got promoted uh, I, I can't think of anyone who sort of didn't get promoted so um yeah it was it was very structured and you know at the end of the two years you got you went up a grade and then the standard period for that grade was another two years. You could probably do it in 18 months if you really pushed it, and some people did. Um, so you you knew the the time period for each grade. So it was sort of two years, two years, three years, and then it sort of got longer the higher up your organisation you went. Um, so from that point of view, it was good. You you knew where you were going. If you wanted to stay in the company, you knew how long you would be at each stage to, to get ahead. So when you finished... I'm assuming then you stayed with that company. You did get, you, you went to that stage, you went to promotion. So you can talk us through the kind of next couple of years where things developed yep. uh, after the graduate scheme ended. Yep. So I uh, ended up staying there for five years. Um, so it was two years and I got promoted. And then, um, as I mentioned, at the beginning, it was it was really good fun. Um, you You were working away. You were young. You were working with other young people who were your friends. You're on expenses. It was sort of exciting. You know, you be going for drinks whenever you want to go for drinks. You know, you're staying in nice hotels. It was it was a novelty and it was really good fun. Um, but then the novelty starts to sort of wear off a bit. You you can't plan your life because you don't know where you're going to be. Um, you know, you it's it's friends are doing things midweek and you can't because you're living in a hotel, a holiday in hotel in the middle of nowhere on an industrial park um and for those sort of alan partridge fans out there you do feel a bit like alan partridge living in a travel tavern um and then especially as you you know if you've got you're going out with people you've you know you're trying to have a relationship can be really difficult if you're not there monday to friday um so the work-life balance aspect um after a while started to started to great and you you have certain scope for taking projects but it gets to a stage where you get handed a project you're living in london and you get handed a project in edinburgh you're going to edinburgh monday to friday 
for the discernible future for six months, maybe a year. Or at the time, there was a um, big project going on for one of the major supermarkets in, in Bradford, and it was going to be like a year long stint in Bradford. And I wanted to take control back of my career um, in terms of where I was going to be and, um, and what I was doing. And one of the catalysts for this was I was working for a large household name bank in London. Um, and I was there as a, as a consultant and I was working with a load of contractors and I, I was working on the financial of the project and I knew how much they were getting paid. And these people weren't very good. Um, you know, they were just properly nine to five and just, they just weren't, you know, they were earning a huge amount of money and they weren't particularly impressive. And I was thinking, I knew my company was charging me out for a really high salary uh, to the bank and um, I knew how much profit they were making off me as well. So I thought, well, I'm in the wrong game here. I, uh, I really should uh, go freelance, um, which is what I ended up doing. And what was that transition from freelance? I uh, sorry, from the from the kind of I suppose structure and the safety of the the I thought maybe safety isn't the right, right word there to use, but this was the structure of of kind of that big company to then moving to a freelance in, in a, essentially the same role. It was it was it was tough. It was a really tough uh, jump to make because the longer you spend in a company, the more institutionalized you get, and um, you you know you get comfortable. You you know the people. You know you know how things work. And it, it can be really difficult to make the leap. Um, but I knew that it was the one that I wanted to do for the reasons I've, I've mentioned. Predominantly, work-life balance was, was the main one, just taking it back under my control. At least then I can choose which projects I take and where. Um, but it was it was hard. It was hard to make that leap of faith and to, um, to, to make the jump. Because when the initial contract I had was just a three-month contract. Um, so... Who knows what the you know it could have been three month contract and then out of work again and then trying to find trying to find more work and I had really good experience with the consultancy but a lot of the employers they wanted they wanted to see contracting experience as opposed to consulting experience but I managed to find one with a a large um, supermarket whoever would know and yeah it was an initial three month contract but I ended up being there for just under a year. This might be a good time to kind of just explain to anyone listening who, who might not know what exactly, excuse me, what exactly your role would look like on a day-to-day basis if you're going in as, as that kind of a consultant. What were your tasks? How did you, What were your kind of aims or objectives? And maybe just give us an insight of what it was like in that kind of a role. Yeah, and um, so I was, they, um, the supermarket were, were implementing a new uh, electronic system for how they reported their their profits, and uh, I'd never worked on this before. And um, but they were so they were imp- implementing this new system, but they were looking for help with um, the change management of this and how um, how the people who were using the system were able to access it. So how the, the, making sure they had the right training material, making sure that they um, they were able to make improvements to the system, um, aspects like this. So I was brought on to help with the, the change management of the implementation of this new system. Um, and again, it was a tricky one because I joined and then a month after I joined, a bit of a common theme, um, the person who hired me, um, she left to get a new job as a contractor as well. Um, she was only on a month notice period. 
she had three weeks holiday accrued so in the end it was uh she gave me one week notice and then she was like see ya um, i'm off and um so that was that was challenging so then i had to pick up i just joined didn't really know what was going on and then sort of had to sort of pick up my my boss's responsibilities at the time um so again it was another another steep learning yeah, I, I muted my mic there just because i didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you but i was laughing at that because your, your face and your expression as you kind of went ah another one left and i was stuck right into it again and had to try and, and try and fix it so am i am i correct in saying then for that kind of a role it was it was really as as a sort of project management that you're trying to like implement these new systems whatever they're they're trying to do at the time yep it's uh, but i a lot of the roles i've I've done um are mostly interface between so i'm not very technical at all um so all one most of these projects is, is sort of technical people so real people who know the nuts and bolts of the system the real experts and then i'm in the middle between the technical people and the end users because often the technical people are so in the detail it can be difficult for them to communicate easily with the end users so the people who are actually using the system so i'm almost there translating the requirements from the end user and making it nice and easy so making sure they get what they want getting the technical people to do that and then translating from the technical people maybe what's possible what's not possible and the reasons why so in that role i was in the middle um as a sort of liaison between these these two groups of people and trying to find a find a way down the middle would it be fair to describe it as like a project manager role without because usually project managers are somebody who's who's not always but usually they're in the organization full-time so is this like almost like a temporary project manager role where you're coming in for a specific project and trying to manage it and then leaving yep, again yep that's that's right and um i'd i'd had a lot of project management experience uh through the consulting role so worked on um in the public sector especially worked on a lot of um project management roles so it was a mix of the the project management skills and also the the change management skills so just how can that change be correctly done in the in the organization so um change is always is always difficult and people are always resistant to change because people are like things as they are um and that's true in, in every every walk of life so it's when these new systems come in it's it's trying to make sure that they're embedded properly and people are able to use them properly and they understand you know why the change is happening and you know they're fully trained up in them um and it just helps the the new systems to be to be picked up and used uh, a lot more efficiently if the change aspect is is handled well and then this was speaking of change when did it start coming into your head about oh actually there's a there's a gap in the market here i'm, I'm going to start doing uh, coaching podcasting all this other kind of which uh, being completely honest with you in the story up to right now it seems like a left of field turn so i'm just wondering when did that kind of start sneaking into your motivation and your head and your kind of interest no, that's a good point i'd uh, completely glossed over that bit so when i was at the consultancy um you had to do internal work it was called and the internal work was on top of your day job and this could take many many forms so it could be organizing events internal events for the company it could be um writing thought leadership pieces for the company that went out to sort of the wider market and the bit that i was always drawn to was helping out with the graduate recruitment um so i initially started off um helping out doing telephone interviews um so the graduates once you got past the initial 
CV application stage, um, you had a telephone interview. So they'd get the graduates to help out with that. And I, I really enjoyed it, just being the being the person who was um, interviewing the new graduates, having been one only a few years uh, before myself. Um, so I uh, I started off doing that and then progressed. I did quite a lot of them and progressed to helping out with assessment centres. So being in the in the group exercise um, as a person, you know, one of the people in the corner, um, taking taking notes to people as they go through the group exercise, through to um, later on doing the interviews and um, sort of all helping out with all aspects of the assessment centre. So it was something I really enjoyed, but I was also, especially with the telephone interview stage, was always really amazed at the the quality of the candidates. Um, because when you apply for jobs, you tend to do it by yourself. So you you know where you are and you know how good you are at something. And I naively assumed that people put as much attention and focus into their CVs and you know getting ready for interviews as as I did uh, when I was applying. And when I started doing the telephone interviews, I was sort of shocked that they didn't just at the the common mistakes people were making, the really basic ones, you know, uh, through all aspects of the process. And you were seeing the same things over and over again. And I was always struck by, you know, surely people know this. Surely, surely they know not to do X, Y, and Z. But you'd see, again, people, you'd see people making them over and over again. So a few years later on, um, I had a bit more time. Work was a bit uh, quieter, and um, I'd always been the person, the go-to person for family and friends when they were applying for jobs, or you know, can you look over my CV, or so and so is applying for this graduate scheme. Can you help their application? Helping people out and getting people ready for interviews. And because I had all this knowledge from my time in the consultancy. Um, so at the time I was, I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I was thinking, oh, surely there's a podcast I can point people towards, which has this sort of information. And there wasn't. So in a in a fit of uh, madness, I decided to uh, to launch my own. And, and what was that like? Is it because to go from, I suppose, it, it's such a, such a shift in my head from kind of you know the 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 business world suddenly having to come around and and get your kind of careers coach hat on and try to learn all that and not only learn about learn about that learn about the media side of it learn about the the podcasting side of it and i'm not at all speaking from experience here that uh it's 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 a hard learning curve you know if you're coming at it from a from uh that that initial time so what what went through your head those kind of those first few months how did you kind of try and figure it out what it was going to look like how are you going to do it etc etc yeah and i think part of it as well was um the work i was doing at the time probably wasn't stimulating me as much as i wanted it to do uh so i was i was good at it but it wasn't you know it wasn't fulfilling all my needs um which I'm quite a creative person and some of the roles I've done have been really creative and you can really get involved in, you know, ideas and doing different things. And sometimes I've not, I've been in roles where I can do that. So I think the podcast was, and launching a podcast um, was definitely a way for me to maybe be more creative and to sort of fulfill the um, creative urges uh, that I, I, I had and enabled me to, um, you know, to, to launch it and to, and to try some new things. And definitely at the beginning, I mean, this is, so the podcast launched, uh, I think probably about six years ago to the day uh, that we're recording this. So it was December 2014. And 
you know, initially you have all those fears of just imposter syndrome and who am I? Who am I to who am I to start a podcast? Right? I what do I know about graduate recruitment? Uh, who, why? Who's appointed me to to launch this podcast? And you just have to sort of get out of your own way and to 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 launch really. And it was it was you know it was really scary and you know especially at the beginning approaching these because I started most of the early guests were authors and get them on to talk about their books that were focused on getting good jobs and approaching them and saying, Hey, I'm starting a podcast. But there's no episodes out there. Uh, you know, I've not got a specific background in graduate recruitment, but do you want to come on the show? And amazingly, most of them said yes. Um, but it's, you know, it's having the confidence to, to reach out to them and push yourself out of the comfort zone. And for the early years of the podcast, it was definitely, definitely a case of doing that. How did that then balance with your other work? Because, because there's, and then people will see it when they go on to see your, to your website and, and, and your, um, you know, the, the backlog of your podcasts and everything. But there's a huge amount of work there that has been done over the last six years. How did that balance out with your kind of the other work that you were doing as a consultant? Um, I never told them. It was all just done in my my free time and making that free time. So it was lots of it was lots of early mornings, um, you know, getting up for no other reason at six in the morning just to spend an hour and a half working on the podcast before sort of heading into work or on the train um, in going around London, you know, on a laptop trying to maybe do a bit of editing or something like that. So it was it was when I say passion project, it was we talked offline about this you know it was there was it took passion and dedication to get it going and there was times when that was in lots of supply and there was times when it was in really short supply and you just think oh, i just haven't got time for this and you know we're 111 episodes into the show but if you look at the if you look at the cadence of when they've gone out there's times when it's every week and there's times when there's not one out for a month oh sorry there's not one out for about four or five months um so 110 episodes but over six years so yeah you can you can see it's you know we're averaging sort of one every sort of two or three weeks so the interest part of it is that you you could have just left it at the podcast but you didn't you decided there was more to this in terms of actually taking on clients in terms of actually putting a course together in terms of actually like really dedicating yourself to, to this it's it's essentially a second career that you have alongside your yeah. first you have two different separate uh, careers that are both flying and doing really well. I, I literally don't know how you uh, you do it, so hats off to you for that one. And but what made you want to kind of push it on and, and grow it and and develop it and and expand it the way you have? Yeah, I mean the the bit I really enjoy with the podcast is the is the one on one coaching. Um, so you know helping people. I'm sure you find it as well with the students you work with, where you you don't want to put over egg it, but you can make a real difference to someone's someone's life you know the people that i've helped who've got on the graduate schemes that they they really wanted you know their their lives will go down a, a different path now that they're working for these some of these big companies that they wanted to work for and working with people one-on-one -on -one is is just it's 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 really good for really good fun you we talked earlier about the teaching aspect and i guess it's just another another aspect of the of the teaching that i did i was, I was doing earlier in in china but just you know taking it a, a different way and um I really, I do really, really enjoy the, the coaching one-on-one -on -one aspect, but you do get to a, a stage where 
it's not possible to there's not enough hours in the day to to do one-on-one coaching with people uh, which is where the course came from so um i was just with especially if working a full-time job you know there's there's only so many hours you can you can do it in your free time um which is why i started the course how to get a graduate job.com uh, which basically boils down all of the all of the knowledge from being on both sides of the recruitment fence so applying for graduate jobs myself looking checking and sort of saying yes or no to people applying for graduate jobs for the consultancy working with people one-on-one helping people get ready for assessment centers running assessment centers just boiling all of that down into a what i hope is a a step-by-step um course so it's online video tutorials and and presentations for myself and also one-on-one coaching that comes with it and you know people have people have been really really enjoying it and the as I said, they're just starting to they're begin to get their graduate offers now. Um, so again, it's one of the guys I was working with. You know, ran me up last week to say that he'd he got the up um, got the job offer from one of the big accountancy firms, and yeah, it just you know it makes your day. Um, and last week as well, one of the uh, ladies I was working with just got an offer for one of the graduate schemes for in um, in mental health social work and. You know, this is her dream job. So to help her to to get her dream job, you 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 feel good. It's interesting when we go back to the start of the conversation that you said when you left, you know, when you left China, you're coming home. One of your motivations was that you wanted variety. It sounds like you've achieved that goal. That you you know you have this such variety now in the the in in the uh, in the freelance work, but also in um, you know in in this kind of uh, uh, other career, this other path that you're on. Could you have ever imagined that it was going to go down this route and it was going to be like this when you when you were getting on that plane heading home? I was coming back with my I was carrying loads of bags because I got so much. You could buy really good quality fake stuff in China at the time, so I had a full set of um, Callaway Big Bertha golf clubs that I brought back with me. So I, was, I remember sort of trying to pull them through the airport. Uh, that they were absolutely terrible to play with is, a, is another matter. I ended up giving them to a charity shop, but um, coming back. No, I probably wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have guessed I'd, I'd be where I am. But that's you know that's the thing with careers is as long as you're going forward, as long as you're making progress, as long as you're as long as you're moving forward, you'll always end up in the right direction. Whether you know it's going to be a windy windy path to get there, but you'll um, you know you will get there in the end. And just as an ending point for our chat today, um, I mean there's, lo- there's loads of fantastic advice as I said on your on your website and on your podcast, and I hope people do check that out. Is there anything else you'd like to say now to them that if anyone who's, who's I know you've, you've literally just given me a bit, of, a bit of advice, but is there anything else bearing in mind the people who are listening who are, you know, maybe stressed or trying to figure out what, where they're going? Anything you'd like to say to them? It's it's a it's a tough job market out there at the moment. So um, the, the clients I'm coaching, you know, I'm really stressed with them, you know, positivity and, you know, self-confidence and, you know, they can do it. And you need that self-confidence because walking into a job interview if you don't believe that you can do the job, it's going to be really, really difficult for you to convince the recruiter that you can do the job. So having that self-confidence is is really important. But on the flip side, there's two aspects I'd, I'd suggest that people need to keep in mind with graduate jobs. The first, and it's and it's both in the name, okay? So graduate jobs, number one, they're looking for graduates. So if you're a graduate, then they're looking for you. Right? They're not looking for people with five years experience, they're not looking for the finished product. 
They are looking for people with potential who they can mould and they can shape into the future leaders of their business. So if you are a graduate, then you are in the right place. And the second aspect is jobs. These companies have jobs available. I know you might not hear that from the news, but companies are expanding. They, even with COVID, they are looking for great talent. I recently had a couple of companies on the show, Think Ahead and uh, Computer Center. And both of them were telling me that they've been expanding their, I'm sorry, the third one was Highways England. Now, Highways England have £25 billion to spend, that's a billion with a B, over the next five years on the roads in the UK. They need and are looking desperately for good graduate talent to spend that money. So they're increasing their graduate recruits. Think ahead of increasing their graduate recruits. The jobs are out there. You just have to distill and well get rid of the negativity and just keep going and keep applying. And, you know, if you keep learning, you will get there in the end. And a massive thank you to James for appearing on today's episode of uh, Graduate Compass. If you'd like to check out the Graduate Job podcast, then I totally recommend that you should. And there is a link in the description to uh, James's website where you can find more information. And as always, if you can help this show, then it's uh, very much appreciated. I'm trying to get a Graduate Compass name out there to as many people as possible so by subscribing sharing it with anyone would help or if you want to like us or follow us on any of these social media channels uh, we've now got a facebook page twitter page and a tiktok page which is just at graduate compass but for now i'm Keen sullivan thanks for listening thank you for listening to this episode of graduate compass Remember, if there is a degree subject or specific industry you would like to be featured on any future episodes, then we would love to hear from you and know what you are trying to find out. Our email is info at graduatecompass.ie.